All right, I'm live at the Red House with a duo called His and Hers. Thank you guys for coming over. Hey, hey thank Thanks you. For having us. Thanks for having us. Super happy to be here. So I'll go ahead and let you <laughs> tell our audience your proper names. So my name is Caleb Davis. I am Sarah Davis. And you guessed it right, we are married. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For 14 years. 13, going on 14. Yeah. All right, so we can start with the origin of His and Hers. You can okay. tell me about how you guys got started as a duo. Sure. Um, so like you said, we've been married for 13, 14 years. Um, we, we started playing as a duo five or six years ago in, in kind of the, the opposite way that most people do. So we got married, had kids, we're kind of settled, and then we started, started playing music live together. Uh, it started with being invited to play at a wedding. Um, we sang in high school and that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. we, were, we were known as, a, as two people who sang. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were, invited to, yeah, we were invited to play at one of our high school friend's wedding. So we played. It, the, the, you know, the few songs we did weren't really well. So um, we kind of thought, hey, let's see if we can do this for you know, a two-hour set and you know, make some money. So we threw together some songs that we knew. and uh, Covers. And went, yeah, and went for it. So mm-hmm. that yeah. was five, six years ago. Mm-hmm. That's how it started. Was it O'Callahan's? It was Restaurant 101. Was Restaurant our, was our 101. first his and hers gig. Mm-hmm. Restaurant 101. Mm-hmm. Which that? is in Moxville, downtown Moxville. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is, y'all were telling me where you guys reside, where you're yes. from. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We're from born, born and raised in, in Davie County, mm-hmm. um, particularly in Moxville. That's where we live now. Mm-hmm. So how has it been jumping into the music thing? Have you, has it been a positive, a positive journey so far? Very much. Yes. Yeah, it, it has. Um, you know, one one big positive for us is that we get to do it together. Mm-hmm. You know, so we do have kids. So the nights that we are out out playing, you know, we we joke and call those our date nights a lot of the times when we're when we're <laughs> out playing music. Um, but yeah, it has. We've we've met a lot of people. We've um, definitely grown as performers and being mm-hmm. especially me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I wasn't super comfortable with 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 the whole you know guitar vocal thing for for a long time and. Doing this has really helped uh, help build that um, build that strength and um, build those guts mm-hmm. for sure. But I think I've always had I've, I've always been vocally strong, and it's come naturally to me. I was in my first play, like com- community play, in the sixth grade. So even from then, I was the main. I was Oliver and Oliver. So mm-hmm. it's always kind of been a comfortable thing for me to sing out places and doing plays and solos in high school and stuff like that. So vocally, it it comes very natural to me playing mandolin has definitely been a challenge but i think i can yeah at least keep rhythm <laughs> yeah now <laughs> yeah yeah um so the the band from what i've seen from y'all you play guitar you yeah. play mandolin mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sometimes you'll be singing lead with the harmony sometimes you'll be singing lead with the mm-hmm. harmony yep. um so when when did you guys start uh i guess playing your respective instruments i got my first guitar when i was seventh grade 12 years old i guess um for christmas I had a squire stratocaster it rocked you know <laughs> uh, um you know I, I was uh pretty much a cowboy chord uh player for a long time um it really wasn't uh until adulthood that i started being more comfortable within the last five years i've really started to take the guitar more seriously um so i've had had guitars for a while but as far as being able to uh, comfortably play and take leads and that kind of stuff it's really only been the last four or five years that i've mm-hmm. really put my mind to getting better at that. I was always really kind of self-conscious on my guitar playing, to be honest, mm. for the first, uh, again, up until the last three or four years. Um, it was always kind of a, 
like I played it because I had to, you know, I'm not going to sing with like a soundtrack, you know, so I had to, had to have something to, to play with. So that was the reason I wanted guitar in the first place just to have something to sing with. Um, yeah. So it, it took me a long time to kind of sink into, into sort of a comfortable skin with the guitar, but, mm-hmm. um, I feel a lot more comfortable now than I did, mm-hmm. um, even two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. For sure. I learned piano from a really young age and probably took lessons for 10 years. So for me, the switch from piano, which is very linear, to mandolin, where I had hardly... And I played flute and xylophone like in high school. So um, the switch to mandolin was tough to go from a melodic instrument to m- more percussion mm-hmm. and a more rhythm instrument. Um, so it has been... a a different transition for me. <laughs> I got I got her her mandolin um, for her birthday when she was like seven months pregnant with our second child. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, "Happy birthday!" She's like, "Oh wow, <laughs> cool. Here's, here's something to do. Here, yeah. you're gonna play it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. It was a bit of it was a bit suggestive, but um, it's okay. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> I enjoy it. I do enjoy it. It's um I have never been one that has loved to sit down and just play and practice. I didn't like to do it with piano. I and and I still struggle with doing it now I do it a lot you know we if, if I'm learning a new song or something like that then then I'll sit down but I've never been a good practicer so I probably could be a little bit further than I am but that's okay yeah <laughs> I am what I am <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that's every every instrumentalist uh for the most part that I am aware of always feels like there's still more ground for them sure, to cover. yeah you know? oh yeah, yeah definitely right it's a good place to be yeah probably right yeah so you mm-hmm. said but I I did know, like when you're talking about mandolin. So this has been, at what point did you start? Mess it when 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 did you get your first mandolin? How far? How oh, long ago? I was well. So it was it was. Um, I mean, I guess our first probably two years of of his and hers gigs, she, she didn't play anything. Um, so it's been the last probably three years that she's been comfortable enough to actually um, bring it on stage with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess our son is nine He's now, nine. so I actually got it for about nine years ago. Oh, mm-hmm. very cool. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, just kind of kind of getting getting her hands on it getting the feel of uh you know getting how your fingers fill on strings and that kind of thing just take, took a it, the growth from you know the the last two years compared to the first five is mm-hmm. you know yeah. way different took her a little while to kind of get over that hump of being that learn yeah, it's a big learning curve yeah, to go from piano to, to bring to, it up on stage yeah but. sure yeah. yeah yeah and it was uh yeah definitely still learning but i think within the past couple of years going to, well and going to the bluegrass jams that we've gone to I've really learned from other and just listening and being around other mandolin players and seeing, okay, here, I hear that chop rhythm a lot more than I did before. Not really something that I paid attention to just growing up. I grew up with bluegrass music. My dad listened to it all the time and I hated it. (laughs) But now, you know, I really got into Nickel Creek, like after we got married and um, that was where that kind of love for, I guess the more progressive and less traditional bluegrass came. I've always liked, you know, Alison Krauss, but she's very vocal. Um, but a lot of that, I guess, my ear leaned a lot more towards hearing that chop rhythm when we started playing at the Bluegrass Jam mm-hmm. that, that, we, that we played at. Yeah, it started to make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. It started to make sense, at least the rhythm side of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now I can't, now I can't do, do without her, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I go to try to play a lot of the songs that we, that we play now, it's, um, it's difficult if she's not there with... I mean, with that sort of snare drum in the background for me, you know, Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so the bluegrass jam, that was like, uh, that's something I'd like to hear more about. So you, you said that you, uh, there, you guys had kind of a, an intentional door open or whatever to, Mm -hmm. 
to invite yourself to get into the bluegrass world to some degree or another. Mm-hmm. So maybe yeah. you can just tell me more about that. Sure. Yeah. Um, a few years ago, um, my again, I was the same way. I didn't grow up a bluegrass fan at all, you know. And and being around, um, you know, bluegrass players now, a lot of these they were born into it. I mean, it's my daddy's daddy's daddy, you know, played, and mm-hmm. you know he, you know ate a hot dog with Bill Monroe and all these crazy stories. You <laughs> I know? grew up going to all the Fiddler's conventions right, right, and right. we went year after year. Yeah, and, and that was not not me at no, all. No, that was neither one. Neither yeah. of y'all. No. Yeah, not at all. Mm-hmm. So um, we went to, uh, I, I I caught wind of um, of Billy Strings a few years ago. So I was telling you earlier and, and that that really opened the door to me to, to explore some some bluegrass and, and sort of listen to the things that that he said were his influences, like um, Del McCrory and uh, Doc Watts and things like that. Mm-hmm. So um, we went to um, that next year. We actually went to Merle Fest, and then uh, I had posted on our Instagram a video of me playing like a Doc Watson song or something. And this guy sent me a message and said, "Hey, why don't you come to my bluegrass jam?" And I wasn't sure if I was going to get murdered or if it was going to be, you know, it's just this out of the blue, some random guy I never met. So I uh, bit the bullet and went. Had an awesome time, and then. Um, it's just sort of evolved from there. Now we there's a, a weekly bluegrass jam in Kernersville at the Brewers Kettle. It's every Monday night, and it's um, yeah, you meet tons of people, and that's that's mm-hmm. the bluegrass jam she's talking about going mm-hmm. to. But and um, it's very inclusive. It was it was he Caleb went for probably I don't know probably six months or so before I even yeah. went, and and I was extremely intimidated to go, and and because it's again it, I'm so much more comfortable as a vocalist than I am an instrument player and I was so intimidated to go and you go and it's completely inclusive and you can play as much as you want or as little as you want or play nothing at all and just sit and listen um so to go to something like that I think is has really blossomed both of us as instrument players and as musicians for sure it's a it's it's a bluegrass is such a supportive community it really is Um, yeah in comparison to, you know, maybe some other things like, you know, I was in like rock bands in college and stuff like that. And that's, I don't know, there's, there's something, something different about the bluegrass community, especially, I guess, in this part of the country, you know, but, um, that we've, that we've, uh, really sort of gravitated towards Mm -hmm. and it's really helped our music blossom a whole lot for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I first heard y'all just recently heard some of the more recent stuff that you've done, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, the harmonies are just real tight, and mm-hmm. the music is beautiful. And uh, I think you, you know, you probably picked a good path for yourself. It seems like it. you fit in that world pretty well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. music tradition spectrum. You said you started somewhere that was more rocky, and and you mentioned before mm-hmm. maybe it was even more. I don't know, like some kind of. Th- there's a different mindset that goes into that. I'm in the Americana world, I guess. Mm-hmm. In the same way y'all probably are. I mean, mm-hmm. the type of bluegrass y'all do that's original is kind of more Americana-ish or yeah. roots-ish yeah. than yes. pure I don't consider myself bluegrass. a good enough guitar player to be bluegrass. You know what I mean? Gotcha. I, yeah. I call myself like, you know, a folk singer-songwriter who can throw a few bluegrass bluegrass leads down, Yeah. you know, in a, in a, in a song that I write. And so. we also don't have a full band. So, you know, most mm-hmm. most bluegrass, traditional bluegrass bands have, you know, a lot of, a lot of instruments that go along with it and we don't while we can play the music we don't fit that mold yeah as being traditional you know bluegrass. this may be a blind spot for me because i think of uh bluegrass music as in the same way that old time music kind of uh refers to 
songs that already exist. Are there a lot mm-hmm. of original like songwriters in the bluegrass world? You know, they're the the ones that are also performers. Not as many. You know, a lot of the, you know, there 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 there's several different kind of like sort of like niche genres of bluegrass too. You know, you've got like, um, you've got sort of the bluegrass that most people think of with like the, uh, you know, you got seven or eight guys who are all just incredible pickers and, you know, wear their suit and tie and they, you know, blast off fast leads all the time. Four part harmony. Right. Most, uh-huh. I, I would say most of the time those bands don't, don't write their own music and they, mm-hmm. you know, they have to get them from songwriters and stuff. Um, then you have more, um, progressive bluegrass, mm-hmm. uh, stuff. And, and I would say more in the progressive vein, they do write their own music. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of a split, but there, there, there are some out there that do. Um, for sure, Billy Strings I mentioned he yeah. writes, writes his music. Um, you know, Molly Tuttle's a great songwriter um, that plays bluegrass music. Uh, Sierra Hole comes mm-hmm. to mind, but mm-hmm. Tony Rice comes to mind. He was yeah. kind mm-hmm. of my favorite. He has been my favorite guitar player probably my whole life. I guess, or mm-hmm. since I've been aware of him, and mm-hmm. you know, I think he was in that original music realm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, and I guess. Yeah, the times that I've been around, like, old-time musicians, been to old-time parties and stuff, it's like certain friends of mine would be like, play a song that you wrote, and maybe they'll play it with you. And I'm yeah, like, they don't want me to do <laughs> they that. They don't yeah. know. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. I guess if they're For deep sure. in that traditional 100%, 100%. stuff. Yeah. And that, 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 that can be one of the intimidating things if you show up to one of these places and it's like everyone there is, like, in on some secret that you're not in on. Because uh-huh. yeah. like they all know this, and you're like, I... No, no. What is this? You know, yeah, but, yeah. But it's but it seems like it's it's just like burned into their consciousness from the time they were born. You no know? kidding. Mm-hmm. And actually, at that same crazy. party that I think of, I finally decided I know one old time. I know like an Ozark song that's definitely an old time song, which is Angel Band, just like a uh-huh. gospel yeah. song. It's like I'll play that. I played it, and then like this bass player was like, "You don't play it right." Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, "What do you mean I don't now play it?" Now wait a minute. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's like it ain't supposed to go to a four into this section. I'm yeah, like, like you didn't oh. play the minor six right there. It's like, oh my bad. Yeah. <laughs> what are the the, what are the rules, man? Yes, like, yeah. I don't know them. Where'd you get the book? There are. It is. It is <laughs> right? a little bit of that unspoken kind of language. I think that both of us would feel comfortable because we grew up in church. We would feel comfortable doing that with hymns. Mm-hmm. We feel, yeah. we feel very comfortable and could find, you know, mm-hmm. a, like complex harmony. That's where I learned all the harmonies because yeah. I yeah. grew up in a church that only did acapella music. So it was, uh. I mean, you heard every sing, you heard soprano, alto, tenor, and bass. Then I would try to find the middle of like the second mm-hmm. soprano. So like in between, because I didn't want to sing with the altos, but then I didn't want to sing with the sopranos. So then to, I think all of those intricate harmonies, mm-hmm. we would feel very comfortable doing that like with, older hymns that, and, yeah. that we grew up with. And mm-hmm. to circle back to your question about, about tradition, that our, our upbringing, singing like gospel music and, and that kind of stuff when we were younger, I think that was sort of like, like a sort of a sleeping part of our like traditional foundation that mm-hmm. we sort of, I did sort of pushed, pushed away once I got a little older. And then now that we've kind of gotten older and matured and mm-hmm. sort of settled into ourselves that, um, that's definitely been a strong foundation that we've sort of started back out on, mm-hmm. you know, with um, with harmonies and simple songs and um, trying to find what 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 is going to appeal to a wide audience, what's going to be good, good to sing. Mm-hmm. Um, Pretty much us, any so. to any show that we do, we sing all flyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, at at the show, so regardless of where we are, like you know, festival or or mm-hmm. even out, you know, bars and restaurants. Yeah, whatever. We still sing. 
I'll fly away, but it is kind of one of those songs that, you know, everybody knows and mm-hmm. it's upbeat and it's fun. And, yeah. um, but yeah, we, we would feel, we would feel comfortable probably singing a lot of mm-hmm. older hymns, but it is like kind of ingrained into us. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. So I guess what brings to, what it brings to mind, this subject is just like, it's interesting to look at traditional art forms in this way, because mm-hmm. I think for so many people, especially younger artists, mm-hmm. it's like the only thing that matters is what you can invent from your own originality, from your own imagination and stuff. And for a lot of people without some kind of grounding tradition, something like, I mean, that's what, that's what all genre is. And that's what rock and roll is and jazz and bluegrass and sure. all this stuff, country music, mm-hmm. these things plug you into a tradition basically Mm -hmm. that you're familiar with and you kind of know the rules to. And Mm -hmm. I think that's interesting. And I guess, I guess I wonder what that, you know, tapping into that tradition in particular, Mm -hmm. I wonder what you would say that is like kind of given you artistically beyond just these jams and beyond whatever. I wonder what, what kind of effect it's had on your creativity and whether it's been, you know what I'm saying? Like rather, rather than just living in your pure imagination, right? If it's giving you something positive to kind of work from, yeah. Sure. I think that I think that the way you describe that being younger and trying to like not not want to copy things and not want to to follow anyone else's path, whatever was you know definitely my experience at at first. But um, as I've gotten older and and gotten more into being around like something that has a has a wide and deep tradition. Um, it, it does help it does help help ground your direction and um it, it's palatable to a lot of people and 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 once you once you see that people respond to something that they recognize and something that's you know mm-hmm. dear to them that makes a big um makes a big impact on how you sort of shape and create your your art that you make mm-hmm. um i also think it's i found it's really cool too that i i never really never really understood until more recently is that a lot of like the so call them so like the OG like the first generation bluegrass guys like the Stanley Brothers and Bill Monroe and even Doc Watson like they were they would be in a place like this like they were unassuming and they didn't know that they were so cool mm-hmm. they didn't and, know and that they were history makers they were yeah. so innovative you know what no I mean kidding. so that that has really um, that's really spoken to me to me too when you when you think about some of the first generations, some of the OG bluegrass guys, um, they're they're you know really cool and they didn't know it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but and we still think they they're cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. mean within this sort of community of music, there's less of a pressure to kind of have that that ego driving it forward? Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah. Um, I, there. I mean, with anything, there's still going to be some ego, and there's still a little bit of competition, you know. Um, but there doesn't. It, it, it seems. Like people want to support you and lift you up, you know. We've got we've got friends who that we've played with before that have played with us before that are um, on huge giant stages now, and that and and they want to see you succeed. It's not a I'm better than you thing. It's mm-hmm. just a opportunity and high five, man, you made it kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a community of support as opposed to a community of competition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I would say there are some there are some pickers who you know are lightning fast you know, blazing guys who, who know it and have an attitude about it. But for the most part, the, um, the, the, the communal aspect definitely outweighs that side of it mm-hmm. for me anyway. 
Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Has that been how you feel as well? Like, is, mm-hmm. do you, you get that sense of community? Definitely. Definitely. There's a lot of people. I mean, even, even within Moxville, we have a really supportive, small, well, I'd say Davie County, but I mean, there's a lot of us that all go to each other's shows. They come to ours. We'll go to theirs. Sometimes they'll come and play with us. Like mm. you know, if we're playing out somewhere, we'll, we'll make a tell super them. band one night and all play together. Yeah, yeah. and we've we've funny. done that before. And in even within Davie County, I think that that has mm. happened. And I say that Davie Davie County is a little diff. Well, I guess in our minds, we're a little special. There is only one high school, so everybody if you've grown up there everybody knows everybody mm. and you know mm. if you've and, and it's been that way for generations because there has only ever really been mm. one yeah. high school um so it there is this level of community support and then obviously you know coming coming mm. to the this way to yeah coming this way um that that community support is there mm-hmm. yeah yeah that is what i you know, wish that we could see more of in a community like, like Winston. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I feel a lot of kinship with a lot of the musicians in in Winston. I've kind of grown up with a lot of them, but as far as that, as far as it being such a small and like tight enough community that we get to do stuff like that, really get to be a part of each other's Mm -hmm. musical journeys on a regular basis and stuff. I feel like that is, not only small town America territory, yeah. but yeah. like yeah, it does sure. happen a lot more in bluegrass and yeah. in acoustic music yeah. worlds and stuff. Right. Um, it's just kind of, I don't know. It's enviable. It's cool. I, I like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, I've, I mean, like I said, I've, I've heard all, I've seen all your, your podcasts that you've made and I know that's a, a recurring theme and I don't, I hate that it's not that way, that it doesn't feel, feel that way. Um, and I, I don't I don't know uh, um, I don't know how to make it that way globally. Yeah, but I think course. there are, but there are pockets of that, mm-hmm. you know. And it just I think maybe people just need to find their pocket, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and um, you know, sort of nose into another pocket to to navigate to something that's supportive like that. Yeah, because it is out there, you know. Mm-hmm. I we mean, f- we yeah. feel like we're part of it, you know. So I'd say so, and and like. I do see it more often in more rural communities. When I used to go play in Virginia a lot, mm-hmm. uh, we were always kind of welcomed into spaces like that where yeah. it was like, this was the community hangout for this little Virginia town. Mm-hmm. And we get to like step into it. And it felt like their whole community just was like, we're here and we're interested mm-hmm. and we're glad that you came to contribute this to us. And now right. you're our friend. So come back sometime. <laughs> right. Yeah. Kinda yeah. Attitude. Come back yeah. anytime. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that nowadays, especially, that it would be a big characteristic in a rural town. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's kind of why I say in our heads, I think Davie County, we, we think that we're, <laughs> it, is, it is a special place. But I think it does go, go a lot towards our small town thinking in our music. In Especially yeah. one of the songs that I have is Family Land. And so when we kind of had the idea for that it was back in high school we couldn't wait to get out and we were we were so ready to go and you know we mm-hmm. we thought that we were big whenever we went to you and see charlotte and and you know lived in charlotte for mm-hmm. for such a long time or for the four years but then we really found ourselves coming home every weekend and then we moved back here after school so the song kind of has this thing where we couldn't wait to leave and then well we found out that 
really we we wanted to be back in that and, that, and we really wanted to be back in that small town and we hope that our children get to grow up in yeah. in that sort of embodies our identity as a a little bit yeah I think, as a group. I think so too yeah hmm. mm-hmm. yeah is that because of music or is that because of life that's life. i think that's life life for sure for mm. us yeah yeah um i i played in in like a rock band in college you know and um that experience was was hardly ever positive it was fun to jam and make music but it's it's trying to play out and trying to present that music to to people in a big city it was there was there was no like you could never could find support and direction like you can here where things are a little more Mm -hmm. tight-knit yeah Mm -hmm. for sure um so music was doing music here i think works out better than it would have in a bigger place um but I think that's just a lucky byproduct of us coming <laughs> home for life, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I hear that. I think all. I think the reason that I keep talking about certain things that I'm talking about is just mm-hmm. because I'm longing for more community unity in my immediate area, whether it's in Rural Hall or whether yeah. it's in uh, primarily that it's in Winston Salem. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Winston is Winston still has its own like has its own identity as Winston still. Yeah, you know, as opposed to a big place that's gotten washed out by you know newcomer like charlotte is not like to me charlotte doesn't have like a like a like a heart and soul like winston does Mm -hmm. you know it's just kind of it's like bought you know it's gone so i think winston still has that heart and soul and personality but i don't know it's 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 hard because i feel like i mean like to kind of change subjects but if we're talking about live music and live music opportunities i feel like the landscape is is so washed and watered down with free music opportunities for people to go see Mm -hmm. that it's really hard um because uh, i think for a lot of consumers i think the accessibility a lot of times outweighs Mm -hmm. going to see something impactful in Mm -hmm. art yeah Mm -hmm. so you almost feel like you have to have a like a a character or y'all you have to have like um something for people to want to come see you yeah you know so we we have we have a core group of supporters and people that come to see us, you know, when, when we play. Um, but we've come to find now if we, if we play at here, here and here for free, and then we have a ticket to show somewhere, then it's hard to pull someone who just saw you three weeks ago. Yeah. You know, for free. Yeah. For free. So somewhere. I think, I think that the Winston scene suffers from that because a lot of the local artists, they, I mean, want to, but also need to get paid. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you take you take paid gigs, and then it waters down the gigs that would typically be seen as as more of the listening room or artist, artistic expression gigs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. I think that's sort of the I think that's the the biggest thing that's that hurts the the Winston scene right now. Um, so. Yeah, <laughs> it don't help it. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But then again, though, I think that as artists, it's up to us. Well, first of all, some places don't really curate a space for music. They have music, but it, yeah, they probably shouldn't. You know, it's not, they've got, you know, football games behind you and stuff, and, and we, don't, we don't like to get down with that. Yeah. But there are some places that, that are not your traditional music venues, but they curate a space for music. And mm-hmm. I think that, I think that the, the good places are out there. It's just we have to, you know, we, we've got a couple that, that, we, that we play at, you know, sort of semi-regularly that are, they've curated a space for music. They're music lovers. They are supportive and, and, you know, listen to us if we have suggestions, that kind of thing, you know? 
Um, so I think those places are out there. It's just sort of navigating to find those places and then not oversaturating yourself um, mm-hmm. in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, I know you the the Gas Hills is, is a cool room for bands that are sort of on, mm-hmm. I guess, our level of success or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we've had... We, we've played two shows there. The first show we played there was actually March 10th, 2020. So it was three days before, before the, the shutdown. Lockdown. Wow. That was, was our last show Tuesday, that we played. It was on a Tuesday night. And, and everything at, got shut down three yeah, days after. Attendance, yeah. was, attendance was slim, but it was still a good time. <laughs> you know. Um, and then we played there this past summer and had an awesome time. And we uh-huh. had the place packed out with, oh, a, with, with a bluegrass band. You know, So we've had two expansions there. One, again, right before shutdown. And the other, this summer, it was awesome. So um, the potential is there. It's just... Um, I don't know. I think it's kind of up to the artist to decide what they want to be and how you want to present yourself. And, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, variables to consider. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah. there's so much not to, not to mention like whatever's happening with COVID right now, yeah. whatever's happening with how scared people are, but mm-hmm. also for sure. Yeah. Patterns like what you just described. I mean, I personally, I, I, I think, yeah, too many places do have music. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's, larger scale examples of it too it's not just like it's not just steakhouses and and yeah sports bars and stuff like sometimes there are big events that go on like sponsored by larger businesses in in town in winston or something that you know uh will feature a bunch of music acts for free and i'm sure they're getting paid or whatever but Mm -hmm. um for consumers that just adds to the whole expectation that everyone has in every department now, whether it's streaming or whether it's events, they just expect to experience music for, you know, for for no investment for free. Mm -hmm. And yeah, agreed. Sometimes I wonder if it's like, well, that is what we're producing, obviously. So sometimes I wonder, it's like, do we have to change expectations as people who believed that this was a way to make some spare money or a profession mm-hmm. that we could put mm-hmm. ourselves into? Mm-hmm. Is that is that dead for most people? Uh, is given the fact that so many people are going to be enjoying playing music and so much of it's going to be free? Is it just a sad, hard reality that most of us are just <laughs> right. there's just going to not be many paths yeah. for us, for us to do it professionally? Yeah, I mean, I I feel like we can we can you know get off my lawn all we want to, but <laughs> yeah. you know, sort of is what it is in some ways. And if you want to play, then here are the places that you can play at, and here are the the ways that you can make that happen. Um, but but I think that there are ways to to curate experiences for you know audiences that that isn't standing and standing up and, and playing three hours of, of cover music, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, there's one place that we play at a few times a year and we did a few, um, they, we call them crossroads shows where we split the gig with another band. Mm-hmm. So it was mm-hmm. another band that does original music and then us. So we, we played, it was almost like an opening and headliner kind of setup, you know? Um, and we had great responses at, at, at those shows. Um, you know, so those are, and, and the venues, pay what they say they'll pay you know yeah so it's mm-hmm. i know it's tough to go it's tough to go to a listening room and you know especially for someone who depends on this for to pay their bills you know and you go up and show up and not many people show you know many people come and you know you can't even fill your gas tank up that night you mm-hmm. know so there are opportunities out there i think that i think that as musicians especially original musicians who maybe aren't really into the bar scenes and stuff which we really aren't when it comes down to it yeah. um there are opportunities out there to 
to still play and to still have success. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. But. I think it's been we we have counted ourselves very lucky that over this past year, especially or year, two years almost, that we have full time jobs and that that yeah. it's still able to be a side job and a hobby that still remains fun to us. Where mm-hmm. you know where we we do count ourselves lucky that we we haven't had to rely on this. Um, but you know, does that with our kids getting older, does that probably limit as limit us as far as opportunities that we may take maybe, but you know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's where we found ourselves very, very, um, grateful for our full-time jobs. In in, in an ideal world, if, you know, if, if I was to go out in your driveway and find a million dollars, you know, I'd give you 10%, but then (laughs) I would, I mean like an an ideal world for me would be to have a career and have a life that was nothing but music, you Mm -hmm. know, whether it was having a, having a venue and and uh, a, a production space and recording space and then playing live shows, that would be awesome, you know. But um, but to someone who's doing that now in this in the climate with COVID and stuff, I, I don't see how you know mm-hmm. people can. Yeah, uh, they're, they're, they are, but yeah, I, I really feel for them. It's 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 tough, it's tough out there. Well, that ties into something that I was I was thinking to ask you a second ago. What does uh, I mean? How do either of you kind of? visualize what you think success is for you at this point what do you hope is your path forward that's a great question um <laughs> so success for me in this as, as with his and hers would be to um i don't want to i don't want to play 100 gigs a year that's not that wouldn't be success to me you know success to me would be to play play the festivals and shows and gigs that that we wanted to and we were passionate about you know um and be able to to survive off of that. Um, I would. I've always had dreams that we, we, anytime we're driving, we see a for sale sign by a place. I always tell her if that looks like it'd be a cool venue, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever been to the Station Inn in Nashville? Station Inn. I'm not sure. So the Station Inn. It's um, there's a place in Nashville called the Gulch, and it's this super bougie like neighborhood with like you know high rise hotels and fancy restaurants, and there's just little. It's maybe twice the size of like this house. It's little like stone building. It's been a bluegrass club for forever like mm-hmm. you know Bill Monroe and there's like Doc Watson painted like on the wall you know um and it's it's like anywhere from 10 to 20 bucks to get in they have music every single night they have pizza and beer and popcorn and popcorn mm-hmm. and it's like the coolest coolest vibe you could ever ask for and mm-hmm. it's right like everything around it has exploded except it's just right there like preserved <laughs> like a time capsule um so something like that would be would be so cool to open something like that right mm-hmm. yeah but it's just it's just not financially reasonable or, or possible really. Mm. Um, you almost have to f- have a plan with what to do with it during the day to have consistent mm-hmm. revenue come in, you know? Yeah. So, so there's, that's where the million dollars in your driveway comes <laughs> yeah. in. <laughs> yeah. I see. You know, that, that, that would, that would like, that would be like my ultimate like success story if, if you could ever make that happen. But, mm-hmm. um, but again, that, that kind of, ties back to you know people have supported us for so long and we want to support yeah you know n- newer musicians that don't feel nearly as comfortable and confident as we do um we we play at a place in in town every thanksgiving eve in moxville and there were high school girls that came and played with their dad their dad was a um had a band like back in early 2000s yeah. early 90s Sent us a message and said hey can we can you guys like take a break halfway and let us play some mm. couple of tunes? So yeah, sure. And, we'll... Yeah. And ab- like, absolutely. Like we, we want people to 
we would hope that, you know, maybe our confidence would rub off a little bit. And we want to be as supportive as possible to new musicians and maybe yeah. people that aren't quite, you know, that mm-hmm. don't have a following. And yeah. um, we would hope that we would be able to give to give that yeah. to people that were. That would definitely be a, a marker of success if we could contribute to yeah. other people's musical journey, whether it's just their own internal happiness or, or their, you know, financial success down the road or, or whatever, that would be, mm-hmm. that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but. And not that we think that we're, you know, the biggest rock stars ever. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> but, yeah. But I think that, you know, we, we've, we've been very fortunate to, again, it kind of goes back to, we've been very fortunate for mm-hmm. people to have supported us and we, we have both of our families and, you know, both of our families have always come to everything that we've done and they keep our kids, you know, my parents or his parents keep them. Um, so we've, we've kind of always had that safety net mm-hmm, with, mm-hmm. with sure. being surrounded by family. Um, all of our family for the most part, it, both of our families live in Davie County. So we've, we've always had that level of support. So for us to be able to offer that to newer, newer musicians, people that are still kind of, you know, figure out where their, where their direction may be, that, that would be what I would hope that we would give. And that's a marker yeah. for success for, for what you kind of picture would be your success. Yes. Yeah. I, well, I, I still, I would love to play festivals. Um, I really enjoy, we played one in West Virginia. What, Virginia. Regular, regular Virginia. Regular Virginia. <laughs> East Virginia. Not West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, with uh with a band that invited us up there and it was i mean just just to be there like we we would play at a at a festival at 10 o'clock in the morning and Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be you know closing it or or a thousand people there but to be there all day to be able to see and meet so many other musicians to kind of be backstage and see and see how other musicians operate backstage sort of being accepted into that community yeah is, Mm -hmm. is sort of where success lies for for us also yeah Mm. you know i i don't really look for much um i I still have imposter syndrome a lot you know anytime we anytime we get a big opportunity or big break i have you know i have imposter syndrome some anxiety and that kind of stuff you know so it's yeah to to be i don't really look for approval or um or like affirmation necessarily from general public but i do look for it from other musicians and people that i admire and people that i want to work with and be in the community with you know yeah so being accepted, you know, being mm-hmm. playing at these at these sort of bigger opportunities that that's um, that's how that's how I sort of judge the immediate, immediate success of what we're doing. I think I'm a little sure. bit of the opposite because I'm not a social media person. Mm. <laughs> so I'm I not. Guess that, I guess it has to do with that too. I'm right? not. I'm not on social media a lot, and I, you know, sometimes we'll go to these places and and people will ask if I've if I've heard of somebody or you know if I know so and so, and I'll say normally my answer is no, but I'm sure that Caleb has. <laughs> so I think I'm a little bit of the he handles all of the music kind of contacts and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And I handle the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll show up to places sometimes and I have, yeah. I have no clue like what the venue looks like or how many it could hold or, yeah. you know, ah, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> You're <laughs> there scared could, to sing. There yeah. Could, yeah. I'm here to sing. There could potentially be a lot of people here. Yeah. Yeah. So but we're definitely at this point in our life and music career, definitely quality over, over quantity, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of, mm-hmm. uh, of music and what we consider a, a good gig and a good choice. Sure. You know, we, we, I mean, just this past November, we, we canceled a paying gig to go play a free gig, you know, to go open for a nationally touring band that, 
that asked us to open for him. You mm. know, so uh, they they said there wasn't a lot of money in the budget for openers. Don't need money. It's fine. You know. We'll, so I, I asked them to give our kids a T-shirt, and they did. So you know, <laughs> so I turned down you know a, a good good paying gig to go to go and do that. You know, so that's that's mm-hmm. more important to us at this point is to get you know enriching experiences and mm-hmm. yeah. So I like that story. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you're not the first person to mention the phrase imposter syndrome or whatever on this, on this podcast. Yeah. And that makes me curious. Like, what is that all about? What, is, what is it? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, think, I feel like when you're a fan, a music fan and like a, like someone who produces music also, you're always comparing what you do to what you like and what you're a fan of. Um, you know, I, and also too, like when I was younger, I was a huge Beatles fan. Mm-hmm. Like they were like this. Um, I've I've always been I've always been someone who had like obsessive music like interest, you know. So it was the Beatles for several years. Like had every Beatles CD at the time and knew all the song. Like I would I would like to pause between songs and like hum the 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 note that the next songs would start on to see if I could do that for the whole album. I, wow, random, right? So. Um, and then, you know, I was obsessive over, it's kind of embarrassing, but obsessive over Coldplay for a long time. And then Radiohead. And then, so, so like you, like, look at these musicians as like, as like God figures, you know, as, as these, um, like almost non-human, whatever. And then you start playing and you play live. And then you, if you, you start to get a little bit of success and it's like, well, I, I can't, I'm not, that's not, I'm not that good. You know what I mean? Mm. So that's, that's how I look at it as, mm-hmm. cause I'm first and foremost, I'm a music fan more like before I, I, w- I was a musician you know yeah so before i ever picked up a guitar i was listening to abbey road 15 times in a day you know yeah so that is very interesting um particularly i mean because i there's a buddy of mine that i talk to sometimes in w- one conversation i remember having with him and he's like more successful than me and, and all this stuff <laughs> and we talked about how like i think I don't know as as not far along as my career is uh mm-hmm. as far as reaching people like I I guess I just I don't know I think I've I think maybe I've been aware of the temptation to have that thought to have this yeah. feeling of this this comparison of me to other people and yeah. for me and for him alike we had talked about what that was and how our decision at some point was to sort of say no, like I believe that I am as good as yeah. the people that I admire. Mm-hmm. I like I don't I don't look at other people's stuff as superior to mine, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. been like a a practice that at least in my life I feel like I've had to have mm-hmm. in order to I don't know like believe in what I was doing as much as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting to hear from folks that you know that's just like it sounds like that's just a different way that that same thought is expressed. Clearly, I have to. Clearly, I have to wonder if my stuff is as good as other people's right. from time to time. But well, and I think it for me, it I don't know if I really have the imposter syndrome as much as whenever we play in places that we play a lot, I don't get nervous anymore. Like there's yeah. no there's no nervousness left. Like it's just routine, and we know what we're doing. Yeah. And some gigs are work, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah and some are work, but those, especially in festivals and bigger venues where we open for bigger bands, I get nervous and I have to remember that, you know, I, 
I enjoy getting nervous because that means I'm growing. Mm-hmm. So that means that yeah. you're grow that we're growing together, that I'm personally growing. So I like to play in those venues where I get nervous and it challenges mm-hmm. me because, you know, in those ones that you kind of play at and you're super comfortable, like I can, if there's a, a football game on, like I can find myself in, in a routine, you know, in a routine, in a routine, um, gig that we do all the time. Well, I'm sitting there and I'm watching the game and of course I'm still singing along, but like, I'm not really paying attention to it. And so I like, I like those gigs where I feel nervous and I feel challenged and I feel that, you know, I'm growing. Yeah. And our our band, our group is growing. Yeah. 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 Um, the band that I was talking about that we, open for like just as an example you know we saw four or five years ago we we saw this band playing playing out and kind of became fans of them and we've we've paid money to see them i don't know five or six times i was a super fan yeah i mean t-shirts and everything right mm. so uh (laughs) so we ended up getting on the same uh, same festival as them and met them and then we played at their festival they played at art like we didn't play with a couple times and then you know we again we paid money again to go see them somewhere play. And after we were talking, hanging after, and he was like, hey, you guys free next Saturday to open for us? It's like, and yeah, course, cool. So, of course, I'm like, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. I was like, play cool, play I cool. I can't do know. that. Yeah. But I was like, oh. And I don't think that yeah. they, this band did not realize how much of a fan I was uh, of theirs. And yeah. so like to meet them for the first time, I was like, oh, yeah. oh my goodness. But yeah. opp- opportunities like that, I guess, is what I'm, what I'm getting at is that it, it does kind of help with the imposter syndrome a little bit that you meet people and it's like you meet meet other bands on like a friendly level and yeah. you know a communal level so that kind of helps mm-hmm. like oh and just normal people just like us you know what i mean so <laughs> they are yeah yeah um but yeah yeah it, it is tough though and it and it kind of comes and goes there it's weird some some gigs you walk into and you feel like you could conquer the world and then some you walk into and you have to take a couple extra deep breaths for some reason yeah. you know um so it is a lot, well, I, I, I can't speak for other people, but it's it's nice that we get to do it together. So if it is one of those that, you know, oh, it's work, like there's maybe not a lot of people here, or people aren't really paying attention, then, I mean, it, you know, we are doing it together. So yeah. it is, we, we make it fun. <laughs> Even <laughs> if everybody else maybe isn't really paying attention. Yeah. We, yeah. I think we make it fun together and we can pick around and we joke around with each other, so. That that definitely that definitely helps. Than if you were to you know be be playing, playing by yourself. Thinking back, I can't believe that I played rooms where there were like football games going I on. Know. on oh, I know. I know. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there was there whenever we played at one of the last shows that we've played at. We we worked. It was a five day week, and we worked all week, and we were so tired. And, and Caleb was singing, he was singing like a verse in a song and like, I just completely almost, I feel like I felt I went to sleep. <laughs> I didn't, but yeah. I mean, I felt so what like, we, what do, what oh, here? like, hold on. Yeah. I have to, I have to snap back. Like I'm supposed yeah. to be, I think one, I'm supposed to be singing here. <laughs> yeah. One of the first places that, that, uh, that would pay us to play when we first started out, um, we haven't played there in years, but I remember there was, there was one gig we were playing at. And I leaned over to Sarah, what, like while she was singing, and I said, "If you drop dead, no one will notice." <laughs> and, she, yeah, and that was her response. So she, I was like, "Yeah." It's like if you drop dead, nobody would. And notice. it was one hundred percent true. Like you would be dead for minutes before anyone would be like, "Oh, oh is a singer dead?" Oh, like, yeah. What happened to them? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but I have felt myself like watching a football game, or you know, yeah. there's yeah. a movie on, and I'm sitting there watching it, and and like. <laughs> 
But I mean, it, it is a testament to how much we have done it because I mean, I can be singing something and still read subtitles. Yeah. On, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's a talent. If, if people uh. knew all the stuff that went on in my head while I was singing. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 It's crazy. Like yeah. how much I can be. It's like muscle memory in your brain. It I can is. be like, think, I must be articulating words with my mouth, but I'm literally like thinking of Just other words. With, I'm, with, yes, with I'm my making mind. my grocery list for, for the weekend. Yes. It's crazy yeah. that oh, brains yeah. can do that. I know. <laughs> I, but know? it is, it's muscle yeah. memory. And you know what else goes to that? We've played one time, uh, there's a Brandy Carlisle song that I loved, and I wanted to cover it. And he played it in a key that was a half, maybe a half step higher. A whole step higher, just just a little bit, and the chorus came, and I squeaked, <laughs> and I was like, "That is not the right key." But you're brutal. you're, I mean, you get into muscle memory <laughs> with the music also, and yeah. with the notes, and like you do the same thing, yeah. d- night after night after night. So, Capo can be your friend or your enemy. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it sure can. I think yeah. it was maybe a half yeah. step. Uh-huh. Anyway, yeah, that that muscle memory applies to vocally also it's really weird yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's weird how much your mind can wander when you're doing that and yeah just thinking back on environments that i used to play in that music was so secondary and i remember some early shows uh when like just before the trio existed um like playing in places where people were like like man like restaurant managers would come up to me like hey uh can you like play something that people are more into and like can you play like some leonard skinnard or something and oh, yeah. i'm like That's awful hold on do you don't i didn't come yeah. here with with the with the ability to just you name a song and me play right. it yes. like i came here prepared for a certain amount of songs right yeah uh, or people ask you to turn it down. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's like, <laughs> That's the worst, come man. on, I mean, like we're here for, this is what we're here God, for. God, <laughs> I had this guy and I won't say the place because I don't even know who this guy was, but we had a guy come up to us after our set. The whole, oh, the whole first set, he kept like making big gestures and yeah, being yeah, like, uh, like making things like that at us. Like he was so distressed and I was like, what is your problem? And after the set, he came up to me real quick, and he was like, listen, I saw the McGee boys out here last week, and they were so silent that you had to, like, lean into them and, and really try to listen to the hear McGee them boys. at all. And that's what you should be doing. Like, we're, I'm trying to protect my ears. I'm an old man. And I was like, <laughs> wow. bro, go home. I don't <laughs> yeah. care what yeah. you do, but just stop talking to me. Yeah. Uh, the, the, la- the last that's time that not... happened to us, it was, uh, I'm going to pick on the elderly, but it was, an, it was an, older, <laughs> yeah. it's an older lady. And she did the same thing. This is actually the last time we played at this place, but she came up and did the same thing. You know, she's like, it's too loud. I'm like, okay. And it, whatever, it rubbed her wrong. So she just like cranks it up to like almost feeding back. I was like, oh God. It, I mean, I think I pretended yeah. for a little bit like I would like touch the dial and I wasn't turning it, it down. Finally, at all. she just cranked it. And like, I said, oh, you know what? Go. And and poor thing, like this woman really was like right beside yeah, of our probably, speaker. She's probably dead now. But, but I mean, <laughs> like I don't. I, I mean, that's yeah. like that's what we're sorry. that's what we're here for. That's what we're supposed to do. And like, I'm sorry if you're sitting close, but the people that are way right. in the back, if I turn it, if we turn it yeah. way down, they can't hear. So anyway, right. we haven't played at that place since actually. But yeah. I mean, and this was wet. This was. Pre-COVID, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so, so funny. Yeah, it's it's uh, a, a, and kind of going back to it, it's nice to play at places that you get nervous yeah. to play at. You know, yes. that it's it's that muscle it's memory deal, isn't yeah. the, it is a big deal, or or to do a new song, 
Like anytime that I do a new song that I've learned that mm-hmm. even if it's ours and I know, okay, this is new and like nobody's gonna know that I get the words wrong, but I still use my words. It's very, we have an iPad that all of our music is on uh, and it's very much a crutch for me, but he, he, he hates it. He can't, he can't stand it, but it is, it is, it's for me. And anytime that we go somewhere that I'm nervous at, I'm like, okay, that I do not want to be up there and blank on the words, especially something uh, like, you know, if we're doing a traditional song and everybody knows the words, I, I just... turn the mic to the crowd? I, I can't. <laughs> I can't trick. do yeah, that. Right. I can't. So anyway, I, I even get nervous, like, if we yeah. are doing a new song or, or, you know, especially if it's, if I'm doing the lead. Yeah. Then, but that's, it's nice. I like, I like to keep, it's, it keeps you challenged, I think. Do y'all write songs together? Um, she is good with concepts. Like, uh-huh. hey, here's a, it'd be a good idea for a song and she'll kind of lay, lay out and then I'll take it and, and make it, make the song, you know? Mm-hmm. That's usually how it, gotcha. how it goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really like particular about like phonetics and, um, and like the flow of like the words. Like it's one of my pet peeves when you have like, like a phrase that's too big crammed into it. Yep. You know what I mean? I can't stand that kind of stuff. So like if if I'm writing songs, like I've written songs with other people before, and if they're like shouting things at me, it's like I can't. No, that's, you know what I mean. I have to like process it in my own head to to have the right, um, you know what I mean. The right, it, it's, it's got to sound right. If it doesn't sound right, then that's almost as important as like the actual words. As long as the the context and the content is still the same, you know. I feel like people I have a get like married to to certain lyrics or certain phrases you know and they can't yeah. like let that go to make the make it sound better yep mm-hmm. um, he is very private about it he doesn't yeah. he doesn't sh- i mean he's probably got you know as as i'm sure a lot of songwriters do mm-hmm. probably 50 like yeah. starter songs yeah, it's like my, on his my phone. notes in my phone just mm-hmm. you and know, right I, but that's his space you know and he and he writes yeah. it and and he'll say okay i have a song for you and like he'll play it through and i'm like okay well i don't know it yet i expect her to know it it's just that's it here's the song i'm yeah. like well Especially i need to like absorb it yeah, when we're recording i like, I have a song for you to record that i wrote and i'll play it through and it's like all right you ready okay here. Whoa. <laughs> you ready you ready to start and i'm like that. wait i don't that's, think so no it's one of my flaws yeah <laughs> yeah. but yeah it's i think conceptually i'm a i'm a big picture person like I we were doing we tell this story on our last album we wrote a song called Johnny Bootlegger and we were doing adopt a highway for the church that we were going to at the time Mm. and I saw this little airplane bottle of Johnny Bootlegger and I mean I I hadn't ever heard of what what that was I didn't know what it was we only drink high class liqueurs at our house Uh yeah yeah (laughs) right uh so so I said oh well this this like sounds like mm-hmm. it would be a good song and so then yeah. it it was all right this and nobody even knows this because it's not a part of the song really but it was like a female inmate and she's like walking along the side of the road and she finds a like half a empty bottle song. yeah like a mm-hmm. half empty bottle and she drinks it and it's like the best day that she's ever had because she's in the sunshine and she's like and go, like, and go. go. <laughs> okay so that's the concept that's how songs get written yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I have some of those. Most of most yeah. of what we do, he has yeah. he has the ideas. I will say too, though, she's also good um, at sort of um, grounding me and and helping me make things like accessible. Because you know, she's I think she represents like 
uh, a consumer like that you would yes that you she's more of like a normal consumer music as opposed to me who likes you know b tracks and, uh-huh. and that kind of yeah. stuff you know i get that what you mean yeah so she, if it's not if it doesn't have a good melody if it's not catchy she'll tell me she'll like, mm, you know also for so, art also for a show i i still feel i'm i'm a consumer that i want a i want yeah. a good show she's our set list maker usually too and, yeah and yeah. and i i feel that i can build build our show now that we have you know hours of music i feel that i can build it in a way that Mm -hmm. catches people to be able to listen yeah um i also get in ruts too of writing the same song like (laughs) or the same song but in a different key or maybe a different tempo and and she helps me point that out like that's the same melody as this song you know Mm -hmm. so um yeah so she's she's definitely a good a good ear for um a good good critique um Mm -hmm. to to help me kind of guide myself from the from the wings back back kind of to the middle that radio you know, head things. influence kind of comes yeah. in every once in a while and i yeah. have to yeah i have to tone it back down a little bit hold on hold I've, on yeah I, i've also lately too started to um when i get in a rut start start to write songs that i feel like other people like like I, like we're we're recording our new record right now so i've got a song on there called adriana and i wrote that as if john prine would sing it or write it you mm-hmm. know I mean, that's kind of how i had to think about it to get out of my normal routine you know yeah um or like i'll write a song that i think that like like this could be on a tyler childers album or something like that you know what i mean that's kind of how mm-hmm. how i think too to get myself uh from my same old i old think habits. most of those well both of those for me would be very down to earth songwriters mm-hmm. yeah and not simple because john prine's writing especially isn't isn't it seems simple because he was so good at it right and it seems easy again because he was so good at it but i think you still have to be able it still has to be relatable to the mass and so if yeah. it's a you know kind of a more conceptually like ethereal whatever we got we got to bring it back down a little bit (laughs) you know yeah that is pretty cool to be able to have that balance Mm -hmm. between you kind of kind of in there because i imagine Mm -hmm. it just really brings your strengths to the surface sure yes and and i sometimes still do but definitely at first sort of like took offense to it in a way you know Uh like 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 you write the song yourself then you know that kind of thing (laughs) you know but uh but no it definitely it definitely does help um you know help or, bring, or if I write something that's a little bit slower, it's like, you know, this song would be really good if it was, you know, and like, like cut that time and let's do it. Yeah. Do yeah. It double, you know, that, that kind of thing. So I I, and she I has like, a good ear for that. I like slow, I like slower things, but I like to go, I mean, yeah. me personally, I like to go to a show that has something that's upbeat, you know, has several songs that are upbeat. And I also, I mean, and I don't know if a lot of people would agree with me, but I like to go to a show that if they are doing original music has at least one cover that I can sing along to, because I feel like that kind of brings the audience in a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. yes, they can appreciate that original music, but to sing a cover, just like something that they can sing along to, I think is fun. Mm-hmm. And it adds, you know, a little bit of connection between the, the performers and the people that are that are watching mm-hmm. so that's just me that's just me personally <laughs> yeah since you've leaned into bluegrass um the last few years too that's actually uh, a, a, a huge <clears throat> plus is that there are so many traditional songs that 
aren't quite the same as, as a cover, you know, like a playing a traditional, yeah. it's not really playing a cover. Yeah. So for me, I, I hate playing covers. I, 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 we did it for several years yeah. before we were, before our original music repertoire was big enough. So I really don't, I don't like doing it with, with few exceptions, but playing traditionals and, um, that that's, uh, it's, it's okay in my book. You know yeah. what I mean? So that really helps us have a, a big enough repertoire to play for mm-hmm. two or three hours if we need to, you know? Um, and there are gigs that we'll go to, you know, if, if it's, if it is just a restaurant or something like that, then a lot of people don't sing along to those mm-hmm. traditional bluegrass songs. But if we do go somewhere that, you know, is, and, and I don't mean like regionally, if, if we do go somewhere that mm-hmm. has a lot of, you know, bluegrass fans or people that we know folk, that are in the yeah, community. Then, yeah. Then those, then that lends itself to those people being, mm-hmm. I think, interactive and sing, and singing along with us. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of our, orig- our original music too that were that are um, similar to traditionals that we will turn into like a medley kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. so like we've got um, we've got a song that we wrote called "The Unemployed Blues." That was our one, like. I hate pandering songs too. I hate songs that people write to pander to. Uh, a, it's it's one thing to write about a cause if you're passionate about it, but to to write about things to <clears throat> just to get you know social media likes or maybe a little money, whatever. As in like pan, like pandering to pant. So like like there's there's a song that's on the radio by Luke Combs called Six Feet Apart, and that makes <laughs> me cringe. It's like oh you've got to be kidding me, dude. It's like. He's just like you know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So pandering to something that is already a a, a hot enough sort of right exactly topic. Right, it's already there. It's like we don't we don't need that. Be interacted with. Is that kind of the idea? Right. Like yeah. we don't. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? So, or 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 someone like taking advantage of of a bad situation mm-hmm. and writing a song about it. So that being said. Oh yeah yeah yeah. That being said, gotcha there. I, I did not want to write a COVID song. I did not want to write anything about you know lockdown or anything like that mm-hmm. um but we had we had a a um an organization ask us to be a part of this album they were putting together of uh of like songwriters during lockdown whatever and they asked if we could write a song about our experience so um i wanted to, to be a part of it because it was cool so we wrote a song called the unemployed blues it's about losing your job as opposed to you know this so anyway it's it's like very similar to Rolling in my sweet baby's arms, that classic song, you know. So we always play that as like a seven or eight minute medley to start shows most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not really the same as playing a cover in my book. You know what I mean? If you're playing, I don't know how we circle back around to this, but I totally get that though. Yeah. Like a, playing a traditional song puts you in this thing where this this sort of like I'm doing something that's a pastime versus right. I'm yeah. doing yeah. something it's like you're that's paying like, tribute to. All exactly. that has ever been, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. participating in a tradition. As I'm not playing like, Brown Eyed Girl or Margaritaville, or yeah. <laughs> or uh, Luke Combs or whatever. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Which he's so interesting, <laughs> by yeah. the way. Yeah, it's a, good, it's a good songwriter in terms of like that, like Nashville machine of songs. You yeah, know? like he can rail off a hit, man. He really can. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he has dominated the the country, uh, sort of whatever. He's yeah. dominated Nashville now for. 
it, just in a in a different way than yeah. most people have. Started yeah. out with his like TikToks, or whatever. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Which I think he started dream. on Vine, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, Did, yes, Vine. Yes, yeah, that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a he's a really interesting dude, and I do appreciate that he writes songs first, yeah. yes. and right. that they're like not horrible. Yeah, I didn't mean to like. You know, oh, not no, no. calling him just saying like at the as, same an, time, as an example. I think that he is like, he's a he's a great example of somebody who does the Nashville thing yeah. better than many, but yeah. For, yeah. I mean for me, for I imagine for you too, uh I don't look at his songs as like these masterfully written Right. I wouldn't compare his songs bring to John Prime songs. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's hard for us to find that though, but I think a lot of it is because we're so inundated, like with social media, that everything is just kind of it like I mean, could you imagine somebody coming out with like John Prine songs now? You know what I mean? It, like I feel like it would be really hard for us to know the Di- to get noticed, the difference, or or for it to you know for it to get noticed. It, it yeah yeah. I've had similar thoughts. I was I was kind of playing with a thought the other day of mm-hmm. like why in a certain time period in music there were so many great songwriters that came yeah. out that people knew about that yes. were like at Woodstock. I mean, can you imagine yeah. a, an event like Woodstock going on now and Simon and Garfunkel playing it and all those people? like listening to it yes just being like dead silent and right. listening yeah. to what they were hearing right that would be hard to come by It'd be like yes. doja cat and stuff like that would be there now you know i don't like, know who that is exactly. if i'm being honest <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um but yeah like think of like jim croce and cat stevens and all yeah. these like that, that you know people had like their records back then people would like make an effort to go and get this like i don't know i guess poets in some ways yeah. Of, yeah of like of their actual like art you Dude, know I mean, and now it's still carrying that if you ask people who are some of your favorite musicians or songwriters that's the people they're going to name they're going to say jim Crow, right Alder, yeah. james yeah. taylor yep uh 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 the other one you just prine. named john prine john prine cat yeah. stevens cat yeah. stevens that's who i'm yeah. thinking of or jackson brown like all these yeah. people mm-hmm. from maybe the early 70s forward mm-hmm. and i don't I don't believe that people don't care about songwriters anymore. Mm-hmm. I just think, I, I don't know why that time period is kind of stuck and considered the golden age for mm-hmm. these guys, for that type of music for a, a time period. I mean, yeah. But I think there are, I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot of songwriters uh, that have come from them that are, that have been successful. I mean, like people, people <clears throat> more like in Steve Earle's camp uh, leading on down mm-hmm. the line to, mm-hmm. to people Even like, up to- Childers and stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. Tyler Childers, yeah. I mean, yeah. there are people who are really enthusiastically passionate about music, I think still care what songwriters are up to. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like the, 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 the screw up is the, I don't know who, uh, the, it's not a, it's not a, it's, there's not a ghost to blame it on is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like the screw up is something about how the industry is organized that doesn't believe that doesn't believe that art is enough to maintain people's interest and that yeah. you mm. have to have big production. They want a reason to take a selfie. Yeah. Or yeah. or whatever, you know. Yeah. They want they want they want something more than just like some sort of internal experience and feeling. There's mm. got to be something else. But I well and I work at a high school and so so many of the ki- and I say kids I use that loosely you know like we didn't grow up in a social media age mm-hmm. where we didn't we didn't really come into I mean we didn't get Facebook until 
College. College. And that yeah. was when it was still was cool. college. For college. It yeah. was only <laughs> yeah. colleges, you know. But kids now, I mean, you have to grab them in five seconds or they're going to scroll past you. And so, you know, there, that lack, I don't want to say that lack of appreciation because I know that some, some of the kids that I teach and interact with, like, they'll know, I mean, they know who the Beatles are and they know who bigger names are. But I mean, it, it's so much of, of a, um, in your face, I guess, reaction yeah. that this, this generation behind us has to feel like immediately. Like I don't, they may not have the patience to sit and listen. Like, oh, well, this to a song that develops into like an amazing story in the third right, verse. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's that landscape is also changing because of such an access mm-hmm. to. I mean, you have access to any music that was ever written. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the the <clears throat> not that the magic is is gone, but I think it's just different. It is kind of true. Feel that. Mm-hmm. I feel that way sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to like I, I I idolized musicians when I was growing up. Yeah, you know, and I don't know, not so much anymore. Maybe. Yeah. Like I don't know of anyone that I feel that I feel the same way about like I used to. Yeah. I was a kid, but still. Even like when I hear, I'm trying to. Th- I don't really have many anecdotal examples of this, but I feel like the way people talk about, like I think Billie Eilish is probably the megastar of right now. Mm-hmm. Like she represents the youth or whatever as far as the direction people think mm-hmm. they don't talk about her like probably somebody that's idolized in the way that we might have grown up idolizing people like mm-hmm. yeah it's like she's a person she wears these kind of clothes yes right. <laughs> Respect like, this, is her. What, yeah. this is what her social media looks like yeah yeah it's not so much about this is what her songwriting looks like Maybe not. I mean, I think, honestly, I think people do care about her songs. Now, mm-hmm. what, the fact that she wrote them, maybe they don't care about that. But right. I don't think they have her on this non-human pedestal that, right. like, would lead them to try to... This sounds a little uh, sensational. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't lead them to try to, like, assassinate her. Like, yeah. somebody yeah. would right. do yeah, yeah, John sure. Lennon. Like with John you know? Lennon, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. At least I, I hope not. Stay well, Billy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. If if she, if she does, um, I'm gonna be screwed. There's gonna be yeah. <laughs> you're, you're on a list already, probably. Yeah, but. yeah. Oh, dang it. But yeah, it's um, I don't know. And you mentioned songwriters and like you know, like Woodstock, or whatever. So I guess that goes back to your question earlier about like what do you measure success as? Then yeah, you know. So if you're making a connection with me, and I know it, it all comes back it ultimately comes back to making a living for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It does. I mean, Mm -hmm. people have to have their things they need to survive, you know? Um, But what do you consider success as a songwriter and as a musician, you know, and if it is that, you know, a headlining or or whatever set at a giant festival like Woodstock, or is that having, you know, people, you know, tell you that they're moved by your music or is Mm -hmm. that, you know, getting, you know, a gig every other weekend where you can get paid or, or what is that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me personally, I don't know if it sounds naive. I don't know if it sounds foolish, but I, it boils back down to like where we are in the world or something. And when I think romantically about what Woodstock was, I think about the fact that like it was kind of this organically born thing mm. and these musicians that got to be there, not to mention they were all part of a movement in time right. when mm-hmm. our thinking was 
new like our 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 whole culture shifted toward new places Mm -hmm. and it was something that seemed to matter in people's lives Mm -hmm. that's what i that's what i envy most because like now we've reached this point where art is is not an organically developed uh organically developed experience that people have that means the world to them yes in most cases now art is so passive a lot of things have been done cultural movements are kind of halted there's no direction that our culture is going in it's like everybody's fragmented into all these different things people don't feel unified around like singular things anymore Mm -hmm. so i think for me what i dream of what would be a successful outcome is like to to have the type of life and career where the result was that people really felt connected to what i was doing and cared about it enough to like be there for it Mm -hmm. that i got to share it with people Mm -hmm. i don't care right now that i don't like it's it's unfortunate if i if i could make money it'd be nice to make money but if i had to decide between you know changing it to where i got paid more for people to passively listen to my music Mm -hmm. versus having a life where i made money alternatively but i got to like uh have really meaningful experiences still enjoy what you do yeah and and like them enjoy that space like yeah that yeah. us be able to connect over that right i would that's what i miss most about i think what music used to feel like to me was mm-hmm. that it mattered to people mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's probably moving into moving into next year and us starting to book for next year that's really where we're yeah. that's the direction that we would like to go in mm-hmm. yeah more um, meaningful experiences <clears throat> and spaces yeah and we've already I, I mean we've we've said no more than yes already this year Mm-hmm. Um, to try to you know curate what what you're saying, you know, mm-hmm. like you know it. We're kind of tired of of, of the passive, yeah. Um, but it is hard to go, you know, to to a place and you're singing original music and people aren't listening. Mm-hmm. It's like somebody that you know, if they were to have an art show and people are just walking by, mm-hmm. you know. So it's I, I hear you mention the garage a lot in mm-hmm. your in your talks, and I, I never I was never there. I wasn't really. Make you know making music when it was open. What was, what was that atmosphere like? That that is, not romanticized, but that that you miss. Like, yeah. What was that like? Well, the garage, start kind of felt like a old rockabilly club. Uh, as soon as you walked in, I mean, the whole thing was truly designed to serve a purpose. Like yeah, you walk down a hall that's surrounded by music posters. Mm-hmm. And so that already feels like you're a part of something that like goes back and mm-hmm. supports music and all this. You can't enter the building unless you pay the doorman who's at the end of this hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go into this big open space that's ugly and graffitied and feels like a rockabilly movie. And there's weird mm-hmm. posters and weird pieces of art and weird pieces of metal and everything's dirty. And everything is pretty much dark except for some string lights along the walls. Uh, except for the stage and the stage has big stage lights kind of above and big Mm -hmm. giant speakers like hanging from just a wooden platform and chains hanging down from Mm -hmm. the ceiling. Everything's very industrial and ugly Mm -hmm. and perfect. And what I loved about it most, I guess, was just the fact that there was, I don't know if they even paid, I don't know if they were expected to pay BMI and ASCAP stuff. I don't Mm -hmm. know if they, I don't think they expected, nobody went there expecting a cover band. It was the yeah, type of place right. where you, you went there expecting to see original music. Mm-hmm. And Tucker, who was on the show recently, yeah. I mean, he just, he, he, he was 
interested in what shows he had. Like he 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 wanted mm-hmm. them to he wanted to bring cool stuff to town, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anything I wanted to do, I just knew I could do. I could go to the garage. I could go put on a show that some loyal people would come to, and it was going to be my show. It was going to be mm. what I had envisioned for myself. Yeah. Unlike what we were describing before, I wasn't going to have somebody come up to me and say. Could you do something that like appeals to right. a more generic group of people? Yeah. Or could yeah. you like do something le- like more quiet? Could you like be mm-hmm. less loud, less visible? Any of that? Yeah. All the attention was just on how interesting is is the music going to be tonight? Mm. Yeah. I think I think there's several venues that we've played at, but I do think that Bill at Muddy Creek has that. He has that mindset of the mm. musicians are the focus. Yeah. And. When you played at Money Creek, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not in Sparta. I played in mm-hmm. Bethania a lot. Yes, gotcha. but I think I think that you know, and, and now you go and there is a restaurant. Well, there was a restaurant there too, but yeah. and the restaurant's excellent. But I but I think that Bill has that mindset of the musicians are the focus. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you know, we've we've played there before at a ticketed show, and there weren't that many people there. However, it's made for music. I mean, he has everything. Mm-hmm that you that you all you have to do is plug in so it's it's a curated space i think i loved Mm -hmm. the shows in bethania it was pretty much it turned into probably my favorite spot as the garage was Mm -hmm. uh i guess it was at maybe i don't know if it was after the garage closed but anyway i loved playing at muddy Mm -hmm. creek in bethania for that very reason Mm -hmm. i mean bill was was great and Mm -hmm. those shows were killer uh i love that room mm-hmm. but i haven't made it up to the sparta room i mean i've been mm-hmm. to the sparta room yeah. but i haven't played it yet but there two or three times last year mm-hmm. it's a cool place mm-hmm. yeah yeah i'll give him your name <laughs> <laughs> we're very in touch bill and i just kidding <laughs> yeah um yeah I, I was thinking of doing some work with them but we uh yeah. just covid messed up a lot yeah. of yeah. a lot of that stuff yeah. what do you in your i don't know if you had a crystal ball do you do you like, what would it look like to you if it was your, I don't mean to turn this around and interview you, but <laughs> no, <laughs> what, what, what would, I like to participate. Yeah. What would, um, what would an ideal situation look like to you? Like for Winston? Oh, for Winston. Yeah. Uh, do you mean like venue wise or, or community wise? Both. Or? Yeah. I mean, well, venue wise, I do wish that we just had something similar to one of those rooms, either yeah. the old, muddy creek or the garage mm-hmm. that just allowed artists maybe at at my level or whatever to to do their thing and to tap into an audience that feels like the space is truly in support of that show mm-hmm. and also like it doesn't feel empty which is yeah. like yeah. that's yes. the only yeah. thing right about playing the big room at ramcat is like if you don't have a big crowd it, yeah. you really notice it sometimes yeah. from the mm-hmm. stage and i think they notice it too yeah sure so more venues obviously simple answer would be great yeah. Community wise, uh, I don't know how to even start to think about what I what I imagine could be the best outcome as far as the the Winston Salem community. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there, I think there could be more distinction between your regular folk art that just is given away for free because mm-hmm. like that person just needs to be able to do it in front of people, versus how we how we tap into audiences that can support larger, larger shows that, that like take more production Mm -hmm. and then therefore need more recoup. Right. Um, on a personal level worldwide on a personal level, I just think it, it, 
technology has changed everything yeah. and it that includes the way that we try to relate to the arts and that's way beyond my pay grade to even try to yeah. conceptualize an answer to that mm-hmm. I'll, we'll never be able to change the fact that yeah. we've created social media and we've created the technology that allows mm-hmm. us to try to create a digital life instead of a real one yeah, yeah. you know yeah. so i think that's true but i also think that the uh, i think the quality the cream rises to the top in a lot of ways too you know so i mean we can we can make as many tiktoks and do dances and do silly stuff as much as we want to or you know put out stupid videos whatever but if the if the music sucks it sucks it does you know yeah. you're right and so, if yeah. the creativity is is more like if it's more in the realm of like the humorous side of relating to people mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. silly instead of something that's deep right sure those those both have a place in the world but crystal ball wise i think all i know is i hope that we start to to think more about the need that we have for community mm-hmm. rather than like the the convenience of these tiny little micro worlds that we've been creating for ourselves mm-hmm. I, that's all I know is I, I just I, I see I see the place for music as a product of it belongs to communities of people. It's not yeah. something that I want to just do by myself or just do for my three neighbors. I want to do it yeah. with more people than that. And mm-hmm. I and I hope that that's something I hope community itself is something that that we start to appreciate more as time goes on, especially post covid. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just um finding how to how to do that and then again it's 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 tough because there has to be some sort of for most people some sort of financial recoup yeah mm-hmm. unless you make it purely about community and fun you yeah. know because if, if there's ever you know show tickets money involved that's when things get kind of goofy so for sure mm-hmm. well i guess as we start to wind down because it's if you can't, if if the folks listening can't yeah. tell, it's really raining. I think quite hard. Right. Um, Water in the grass. <laughs> yeah, kind of need it. Uh, I guess a fun question to to ask would be, if you were if you were like starting a venue tomorrow, hmm. how would you organize it? What would it consist of? Ooh, um, if I was to start a venue, it'd be somewhere somewhere between. Um, maybe twice the size of the Muddy Creek space, mm-hmm. you know, that, that number of people. Um, you know, I think it would be, I think it would be, I always thought this was kind of a cool um, idea to use it during the week, use it as like an auction house during the week. Interesting. So, so you have, um, do you have all these like antiques and stuff inside that are auctioned off during the week for, you know, the folks that want to come and, and do that kind of thing a couple of days a week. And then when they're not there, the, the antiques are your decor around the, uh, around the stage. Sort of a, a random little little detail yeah, that would like be kind of cool. Another way to make money uh, when it's not being operated. Um, but I think that just a um, a quiet, comfortable, uh, comfortable space for for artists to come through um, and play, and then definitely have uh, different jam nights during mm-hmm. the week for people to get together and play music. And you've mm-hmm. got the sound there; you can turn it up loud and play and have fun. Yeah. Um, there's a place in uh, we we love the city of Brevard, North Carolina. Uh-huh. If you've been there or not, yeah. There's a place there on on King Street that that have. I mean, they've got they've got a guy who plays every Tuesday night, and he brings in it's uh, it's Travis something and friends, and he brings in like uh, like Sierra Hole played not too long ago. Uh, the guys I don't know if you're familiar with Fireside Collective. It's a bluegrass band. 
those guys will come and play. And it's like Tuesday nights, and mm. people are there hanging out, drinking, having fun. Mm. Um, you know, something that would emulate and represent that would be uh, so. I would be for me. I would throw a twist in there mm-hmm. as far as in my in in these are my lottery dreams for a long time for like 12 years I taught students that have pretty significant disabilities um and within our little community again it's it the I taught probably I mean our program grew grew to probably 20 to 25 students with with yeah um moderate to pretty severe disabilities and that population after they graduate from high school, the, the resources are, I mean, and it's kind of mm. something that unless you're involved with that particular community, the resources for those individuals are just very few yeah. and far between. So it's basically daycares and that's mm-hmm, yeah. or daycares, group homes. Yeah. And so in my mind, I would have, I would employ individuals that have disabilities at the facility because it gives them purpose. It gives them something to do. You know, it gives them a place to go, but it gives a chance. And I, I'm very comfortable, but I did it for so long. I'm very comfortable with that population. And I know, you know, students with autism, I know how to, how to work with them. And, and I think the best, the best thing that I did was to highlight their um, abilities Mm -hmm. instead of most of what the world probably sees is the, the disabilities that they have. So I've always wanted to open um, some sort of business that would employ individuals with disabilities after high school. And there it is. That's the business. There you go. <laughs> I think that's great. Yeah. Uh, there was a coffee shop on Trade Street for a while. Uh-huh, that, Moji. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yep. I used to go there. And mm-hmm. I was also fortunate to have somebody on our team when I worked downtown yeah. uh, who was autistic. And, and that was eye-opening in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, just mm-hmm. how how much more considerate we could have been <laughs> yeah like yes. she really revealed that to us and as we were learning how to sort of best have her on our team she was also uh she was also deaf and so we just learned what it would require to like facilitate yeah. the appropriate space for someone that had her needs and right. it was a really positive experience she turned out i mean she was better employee than anybody else that we most have. Most of the time, yeah. most of those, yeah. most of those individuals would be, I mean, if you tell them, you know, not only students with autism, but you know, a lot of those kids, if you tell them you have to be there at seven thirty eight, mm-hmm. they're going to be there at seven thirty eight. But again, I, I think that was one of the things that I, I hope brought to the high school that I worked at was that, you know, these, these individuals deserve, their life to be highlighted also yeah and their abilities to be highlighted and that not only do they learn from us but more than likely we learn more from them yeah. um and the compassion and empathy and you know so that's that's kind yeah. of a, a side road but to go along with that venue I, yeah. would, I would employ individuals with disabilities after they've graduated high school I like that a lot. As we yeah. start digging for the money outside. We'll, no kidding. Yeah. I know. Yeah, that's, you could have we'll picked a better weather night, I guess. Uh, I, yeah, but, yeah, it's going to be rough out there. But. <laughs> but I'll give you a shovel. Do what you got to do. Yeah. Um, I hope that both of you win a lottery at some point. Oh, thank you. Thank much. you. Yeah, I, I appreciate I think it. It, We may have to play. Well, yeah, we'll have you on open <laughs> night. Win, promise. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. it. Um, well, hell. The pay won't be good, but we'll have you. <laughs> I get it. It never is. It never is. 
this was fun talking to y'all. Yeah, I, yeah, it was great, man. Thank it you was for very us. fun. We've when, been, I've been a fan of your music for a long time, so it was really nice to uh, have you uh, invite us in. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I'm a fan of your music as well. Thank, thank, you. thank you. So, do you know when your your newest release might possibly be? Uh, yeah, it's 80 done right now. So we've made a lot of progress. I I was um I was down with the sickness uh, a couple months ago, so I used that two weeks off of work to mm. sit in front and and hammer out these songs. You know, so um, we got a lot done in one little chunk of time. Um, so we've, uh, just got a few more, uh, mm-hmm. little things to do, then mix it. And, um, hopefully, hopefully March we'll be finished. Good deal. So, um, yeah, if not sooner. I hope everyone checks it out and I hope next time, uh, that you're at Gas Hill, I'll get a yeah. invitation and I'll Absolutely. Yeah. you guys out. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. Maybe play with us. We'd love to be there. Be cool. Fun. That'd be fun. Do a double bill. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, this yeah. has been me hanging out with his and hers, otherwise called Caleb and Sarah. Yep. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you.